Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. information about Redemption Church, please visit redemptionokc.com. You can stay up to date on sermons by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. Well, today we are talking about uh, making decisions, and we all have choices to make in life. We have uh, some are really difficult choices and some are really easy choices. Some are very kind of life-altering choices and some are very lighthearted choices. Some are, are difficult ones and some are really, uh, are really simple to make. But, but our lives are full of decisions. So I think it's important for us to think about what is your strategy um, in terms of your decision-making? What is your, your process? How do you approach the decision-making process? And uh, the reality for us is that if, if we're going to be making decisions all the time, doesn't it make sense for us to have a strategy? But, but have you ever really thought about it? Have you ever really thought about kind of your checklist of, and here's the process I go through when, I, when I'm facing a difficult choice, or are you just kind of winging it? I think Scripture calls us and tells us some important, gives us some important guidance for this, and so we're gonna we're gonna look at that today. And here, here's what I want you to know: we're not really talking about like which cereal to pick up in the morning. Like we all know that's the one with sugar, right? I mean, if you're if you're one of one of these guys over here, uh, that's the one you're reaching for. But we're not talking about things like that. We're talking about some of the the bigger decisions of life. How do you choose a spouse? How do you decide whether to take a job or not? Uh, well, how do you decide what to do in a medical scenario? How do you know what to do when it comes to deciding where to go to college and what it is you want to do with the next part of your life? These are important parts of our, uh, uh, of our journey, and we want to be wise in the way in which we go about making those decisions. And so we're going to dive into the scriptures and really look at that. And here's what I want you to recognize today, is that if we're going to make wise decisions, you need to find two things, the right approach and the right attitude. If we're going to make wise decisions, we need the right approach and we need the right attitude. Both of those are essential for us to make wise decisions. Several years ago, I was reading a book by a guy named Gary Friesen that was about decision-making the will of God. And really some of the categories I'm going to use today came from some of that exploration when I was facing some decisions, thinking about that. So that's going to shape some of what we talk about today. But the book of Proverbs speaks some to our approach. It's interesting though, the book of Proverbs speaks more, a little bit more on the attitude side than the approach side. And so we're going to, we're going to dive into first kind of looking at what should our approach be and, and start that conversation. Then we'll get to some of the Proverbs just a little bit later as we look more at the attitude. But here's what I find as I talk to people. Two kind of extreme errors. If you think about like what are the extremes and most of us fall somewhere in between, but two extremes that people drift towards. One is to assume that God doesn't care or that God doesn't exist. And so he doesn't speak to a matter or a decision you're making in your life at all. And so you think you're, you're left on your own and God, maybe he doesn't even exist. Maybe he doesn't care about the thing you're talking about. He's way over there and he does no influence on the choice that you're making at all. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is uh, I find that there's some people that are a little more uh, maybe on the hyper-spiritual side, and they think God's going to give them a bullseye of clarity on every single decision, and that God's going to somehow reveal all the details of every choice 
to them. And so in some ways, they live in a little bit of fear, looking for kind of a mystical experience of divine revelation and breakthrough on every choice that they have to make. And that can be just as crippling. And reality is, when you look at what the scriptures do about decisions, it's really somewhere in between. There's really, neither of those really represent what it is that the scriptures teach us when it comes to the idea of making decisions. So when we think about this, the reality is God has spoken with crystal clarity to us on many matters. In terms of his moral will, in terms of our theology, in terms of what we believe, God has spoken with absolute crystal clarity. But there's a lot of non-moral, non-theological things in life that God hasn't spoken to at all. And in those areas of life, we're, we're really given some freedom. We're given some freedom to operate. We're given some freedom to operate really according to how we decide we want to live and who we want to be and how we're wired. And in some of those non-moral areas, really what the scriptures teach us to do is to apply what the Bible calls wisdom to navigating those decisions and deciding what it is that we want to do and how it is we want to live in order to make really good decisions where the Bible isn't crystal clear where there is some, some flexibility in those things. It's interesting in the Bible, the apostles, if you go to the New Testament, the apostles, man, there's areas where Paul is just like, thus saith the Lord, boom. And he tells you, this is what is true. This is what is right. This is how you're to behave. This is what you need to do. This is the way in which you are to live. But then in these other non-moral issues, the Bible, if you look at the New Testament, the, the apostles use phrases all the time like this. It says, you know, we thought it best. I thought it necessary. If, if it is fitting do this. If it's not desirable, don't do that. If it seemed good to us, or I have decided about such matters. Do you see the flexibility in some of those languages? It says, hey, if it's not desirable, then don't do that. Hey, if it seemed fitting that this seemed like the appropriate response in that scenario, and so there's some flexibility for us to exercise wisdom and judgment in making a decision. Let me give you a couple examples. Philippians 2, uh, Paul is talking about uh, one of his brothers, Epaphroditus, who had been kind of co-laboring with him. And Epaphroditus had gotten sick almost to the point of death. And Paul says uh, in Philippians 2, he says uh, that he thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus home because Epaphroditus, it just made sense. Now, Paul, he didn't pray and wait for writing on the sky. He looked around and went, man, Epaphroditus was sick. He almost died. He's, it said that he was distressed and he really longed to be home. So Paul said, man, go home. Go home and be with your people and get well, because that's what made sense to him. Another one, you look at 1 Corinthians 6, 6 there's kind of a funny one. I mean, it's sort of funny, sort of not funny, uh, but there's conflict that's going on in the body. That's not funny. That happens all the time, though, and there's, there's a, people that are butting heads, and Paul looks and says, look, is there no wise guy among you that can go help sort this out? Not like the mafia kind of wise guy to sort it out, like we don't really need to go there. We say, is there not a man of wisdom who can help you guys figure out what's right and what's wrong in this situation? Meaning, man, there's not a clear, like this verse closes it, but in this conflict situation of these people in this relationship, and someone's got to help you think through the right response to this thing. You see these kinds of things all the time. Colossians 4, it says, making the most of every opportunity. And that's an interesting one, right? Like, how do you make the most of every single opportunity. Like that's gonna take some wisdom, right? There's nowhere in scripture where it says, hey, when you face and it's gonna give you every single scenario in life, this is how you make the most of that opportunity. You have to exercise wisdom and judgment and knowing how to do what it is that you're called to do. These are the kinds of things that the Bible teaches us in understanding what wisdom looks like. 
It's interesting though. There is a general aim that the Bible gives us that kind of frames all of this, that we're to live for the glory of God and for our joy and for the joy of those around us. That that ultimately shapes and, and directs and guides the way in which we live. And so there's some big picture things that sort of set the trajectory when we begin to talk about what is wisdom in, this, in a decision. It's, I mean, what brings glory to God? What's gonna give me joy under God's rule? What's gonna give those around me joy? So how do I live for the glory of God and the good of, of all is sort of the idea that scripture gets at. So let's look at the first category. Let's look at this big idea of the approach. The first thing, when we, if we wanna make right decisions, we really need to have a right approach to making a decision. The first thing we see there is we need to seek wisdom in God himself. And start with God. Start with who he is. That as you develop a relationship with him, as you get to know him, as you seek to him, seek him, as you devote yourselves to living for his glory, it's going to shape who you are and it's going to model, it's going to begin to form really the way in which you live and understanding what wisdom really looks like. That as you seek God, you're going to know better what to do as you face the decisions throughout your day and as you grow in maturity with him. In fact, in the New Testament, James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him want ask God. If any of you lack wisdom, then go ask God. Ask him. So start with God at first and ask him for wisdom. For the scriptures say, he gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. And we don't need to hold back in asking our Lord for direction, for wisdom, and knowing how it is we live. So the first thing in our approach is let's start with the person of God himself. Then secondly, seek wisdom in God's word. In the clearest and surest way that we can understand what it is God has revealed is to go to the scriptures, to, to go to the black and white of the Bible, the revelation from uh, Genesis to Revelation and look at what God has revealed in his word and said, this is the truth that we are to build our lives on. This is the thing that guides all of our life and all of our faith. And so we can trust it. And so we run to it. It's interesting. It's why we talk about reading God's word so often around here. When last week we talked a lot about the value of God's word and that we, we kind of have made this theme for this year that you can understand the Bible. And the, the, the importance of that is because I want you to make wise decisions in life. I want you to, to know what God has said. I want you to avoid the pitfalls that scripture helps us to avoid. And so we want to get the scriptures in your hands. We want you to read it. I was reading this week and someone said, you know, one of the problems in our culture is that we're no longer Bible readers. We're just Bible verse quoters. Like we just take a verse from over here and a verse from over here and a verse from Instagram and a verse from there and we throw it at life and we hope that it's going to help us navigate it. And what we see is that that creates a veneer of wisdom but it doesn't give us the depth of wisdom we need from the scriptures that really solidifies us and strengthens us and kind of bows us up to make the decisions we have to make in life. So that's the, that's the problem I think you see oftentimes in our, in our culture is we don't, we, we, we don't need to take a spit bath in the word of God. We need to go dive head, head first and soak ourselves in it. We need to immerse ourselves in it and soak it up so that we've actually got some wisdom that comes our way when we need it the most. Too often, people will take a verse from here or there, and they apply it out of context. Um, ever hear this one? Um, God wants you to have the desires of your heart. Um, I mean, it's in there, right? Like that verse is in there. But what that doesn't mean is God wants you to leave your spouse because you're just unhappy in your marriage right now. It doesn't mean that God wants you to go gamble away all your money because you got a big payday coming your way because you really want it. 
right? Like that's not what it intends. That's not what it means. And so if you take that verse out of context and you apply it to a situation in your life and a choice that you're making, you're going to end up in a bad spot, which is why we really need to read the whole counsel of God. We need to understand all the wisdom of what it says so that when we come to those decision points, we can make wise choices in the things which we are facing. And so uh, it's not meant to just say, hey, if you've got a desire in your heart, do whatever you want morally. It's not what the scriptures are enforcing there. And so we need to understand what God's word truly says if we're going to make wise choices. Um, Next, um, so we need to seek wisdom from God himself. We need to seek wisdom from the word of God. We also need to seek wisdom from study and learning. The theological term for this is common grace, that we believe that God has graced all kinds of people. And so if if something's true, it's true for everyone. And so there there are doctors who may not be believers, but they've got expertise in an area in knowing how to perform a particular surgery. Or you've got a counselor who knows how to help you navigate certain scenarios and transitions in life, and they're worth leaning into and learning from. That if you're facing a medical decision, that you, you need to go in and figure out, you know, what are the options and what are the costs and what are the, what are the, the details of the things that, that the doctors are recommending and in the middle of that, you also are praying and asking God for wisdom and doing other things, but don't let it alleviate the need for you just to go and study and find out what the experts in that area of that decision really have to say, and then apply that to your, to, to your scenario so that you can make the wisest decision you possibly can. Utilize the experts and the information available to you. If you're going to go to college, and go on some visits. Like explore what, what is this school good at? What is this school not good at? When you think about your majors and go and do the homework and figure out, is this school have a good program for this? Do they even have the major you have? I had one friend that w- wanted to study marine biology and he went to Waco, Texas. And I remember we kind of looked at him one day and we're like, dude, um, like no oceans anywhere near Waco. This is central Texas. You know, it's really dry here and there's some lakes, but there's not much growing in them. And so he ended up having to transfer to another school which is okay. But I'm just saying, if you're going to go do the work, study, do your research. So you have an idea what it is you need to focus on and what it is you want to do. If you're, if you're approaching marriage, go do premarital counseling. Go talk to some people, learn some best practices, learn some ways of communication and operating and learn some, the, the reality that, man, you're both a couple of messed up junkie sinners that are going to need a lot of grace. And you need someone to tell you that so that whenever you face it, you know, that this is normal and this is what it looks like to be married and it's okay. But God will show up in the middle of that too. So seek, study, learn to find wisdom for the way you need to live. And next, seek wisdom from wise counselors. Proverbs 15.22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And go to trusted friends, go to wise counselors, go to spiritual mentors. Do not make a decision without seeking input from wise people. Don't operate as a lone ranger out there just trying to wing it and do what you think is best. Um, Sometimes that may work, but you're going to do better if you have wise counsel and you've got people that that can affirm the things that you're doing because they're spiritually sound and they've watched you and they know you and they know your weaknesses and they know... They know your foibles and your hangups and all those things, and they can speak truth to you in the way in which you need to hear it when, in, when you're in those key decisions. So never make a big decision without seeking input from others. And lastly, seek wisdom in the experiences of life. Seek to learn from your successes and failures, from your good times and bad times. Life is long. It's a marathon. 
And I know sometimes you're gonna fall on your face. You're gonna stub your toe and you're gonna get hurt and there's gonna be consequences and learn from your mistakes. Let that shape inform you. Um, Go back and work through those and say, man, what do I need to do to make amends? What do I need to do to make that right? What do I need to do to, to bring about health in that situation? And then course correct so that I do better the next time. Learn from the experiences of life and let those things help you make better future decisions. So, man, that's a lot of stuff that we went really quickly, and you may need to come back to that. Next time you face a decision, I'd encourage you to come back and go, man, what's my approach? Am I doing all these things? Am I seeking the Lord? Am I looking at his word and saying, man, does God's word offer anything here? Are there any moral areas that I need to make sure, man, I'm falling in line with what God has commanded clearly for me to do in this area? And then then go and find out in the decision you're making, man, what do I have all the information that I can possibly gather to make the best decision I can if I sought counsel from those who I trust spiritually in terms of their ability to take the word of God and guide me in a healthy direction? And then if I, man, am I, am I drifting in a direction of a mistake I've made before and maybe I need to steer clear of this time? And just ask yourself and work yourself through a process and, and think through this. But let's be real for a minute. Um, each of these avenues can help us make wise decisions, but this is the kind of stuff that makes life fun and terrifying at the same time, right? Like when you come to those decisions where you just know, like, man, this is a fork in the road turning point for me to make a decision. Like that's where the really fun stuff of life happens. Like, am I gonna go forward in this relationship or not? It's also where the stuff that kind of makes you tremble hits and you're like, man, am I gonna go backwards? Like, is this gonna, decision gonna hurt me? And what's reality for us is we live a little bit in that kind of the tension sometimes. Do you ever feel that? You live in those places where you're like, man, I just know this job decision is a great opportunity, but there's going to be cost to it. And you're trying to make the wisest decision you can. And it can be hard. And sometimes you ever wish that life was like a GPS deal, that every intersection you came to, that, that Siri would just tell you where to go? Like left turn. Okay. You know, and you just would do that. But life doesn't work that way. Life doesn't come to us like a GPS map that guides us from point A to point B, telling us every turn we need to make in every situation, every decision. It's a lot more nuanced than that. And I think the encouraging thing for us in this is there is a lot of freedom for us. You don't always, uh, but things don't always feel completely obvious to us. Sometimes it feels a little bit like guiding a, guiding a, a raft down a whitewater river and you're like, oh, watch that watch that, that uh, obstacle. Let's start to get back over here in the mainstream and keep going. And life can feel a little bit that way at times. So let me give you an example just so you can kind of see how this adventure of life works out. Uh, one example, when you, when you think about a kind of a case study in this, think about choosing a spouse. What, how should you view the decision-making process in, in choosing a spouse? Well, if we start with God, you, you've got to be aligned in terms of who God is and your belief in Him and what it is that you're, do, you're to do. In fact, the Scriptures command us and say, don't be unequally yoked. What that means is, I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going, you think of like two animals that are yoked together and pulling in a direction. Say, so, man, if I'm going to link myself with someone and work towards a goal and an aim in life and work at a direction, we better be pulling the same direction. Otherwise, we're not going to make very good progress. If we're actually going in opposite directions and all we're going to do is turn in circles and this thing's going to be very frustrating. And so the first thing scriptures tell us is, and if you're choosing a spouse, you need to submit to the fact that, uh, do we have the same belief in God? Are we both believers in God? And are we moving in the same direction there? 
And then you think of other moral commands, and I'm not going to cover everything in here, but I just want to give you a sense of some of the decision-making process and the way this works. And in and, and this in this one example, uh, Scripture also tells us that beyond that, marriage is between one man and one, one woman, that God created them and, and called them to be married, to leave their mother and father and to go and be fruitful and multiply. And so there, there's marriage between a man and a woman. It says that marriage is for life, that two become one flesh. And so you're knit together really for all of life. And so it's intended to be for all of life. Uh, the other thing, moral command you see that's really clear in Scripture is that we're called to to uh, to hold off on sexual relationships until marriage. That sex is beautiful, sex is good, sex is enjoyable, but it needs to be something that's reserved for husband and wife and a relationship that's going to last and it's invested there. So you see these moral commands that are there. Under that, what does scripture say about the hairstyle of your future spouse? It's not there. The, the scriptures don't tell you whether you should marry someone who's more dark-skinned or light-skinned. The scriptures don't tell you if you should marry someone who's introverted or extroverted. The scriptures don't tell you if you should marry someone who makes a certain amount of money or not. The, the scriptures give you some moral commands and say, and here's the things that are crystal clear. Do not alter on these things. But in other areas, there's a lot of freedom. So what do you do in the midst of that? Well, the other aspect you do, there are a lot of other things in scripture that give us wisdom. And so beyond that, we look for guidance that the scriptures give as far as who it is that we are to marry. And so there's other principles and general wisdom about the health of a person, about relationships, about their devotion and what they're committed to, and other things that as you, as you soak up the wisdom of scripture, you can apply to that scenario. But there's a lot of pieces that come into making a choice. But ultimately, there's also a lot of freedom. You just say, man, do you like that person? Do you love where they're going in life? Do you want to go run with them for the next 70 years? Then, man, link arms and take off and go have fun together. That if you're following the moral commands and there's no red, no red flags as you go and you do the research about this person and you get to know their family and you get to know things and you talk to your wise mentors and you seek wise counsel and you, you look at all the things in life, you look at your past experiences and all those, and it's like, man, then just go and enjoy it. And so there's some freedom in that, in the midst of wisdom. Do you kind of see how that works? In terms of that one example, um, lots of different examples that we could look at. It's interesting. Hebrews says uh, in the New Testament that the that, uh, the New Testament talks about those who have by, have have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, and that's the maturity process that we go through in life. Is that we are constantly practicing life, and as we do, it says that that, that discernment skill will actually increase in us as we've as we've practiced. So there we've looked at kind of this approach to wise decision-making. Let's go to the next level. Let's go to thinking about our attitudes in decision-making. How do we have the right attitudes? And this is where Proverbs puts an enormous emphasis on this. So can I tell you why it's so important to think about our attitudes? And the longer I live, the more I realize how important this is. But I see people make bad decisions all the time. And many of them are incredibly smart people. They're intelligent they're successful, they're good-looking, they, they fit into society and culture, and yet they make bad decisions all the time. And the reason is because their attitudes are out of line. It's not that they need more information, but they need more submission to what God is calling them to do in terms of their approach to life. It's fascinating to me when, when you think about um, just even, even the, the leadership discussions over the last decade or so, the rage has been all this talk about self-awareness, 
all this talk about emotional intelligence. And you see all these things. And honestly, I think much of that discussion is what our research is showing us is that if you can live out the wisdom of Proverbs, you can be a lot better off. The Proverbs for millennia and for thousands of years has been telling us that, that if you practice self-awareness and some emotional maturity, you're going to be far better off in terms of your decision-making and your ability to lead and do other things in life. So let's jump in and look at attitude. What kinds of attitudes should we have? The first attitude that we see is reverence. Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is this idea of reverence, this idea that, that, that it's not this like trembling fear. It's more this like sense of awe about who God is. And so there's a, a sense of awe about who God is. And that is the beginning of our true knowledge. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9 says, is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. See, reverence gives gravity and hope to everything. That if we live with a sense of reverence, no decision we make is without hope because there's a God who's big, who's able to engage that. But also there's no decision we make that's just flippant because there's a holy God who's, who's watching us under, which, under whom we're living. It's interesting, there's a seen in the book of Exodus with Moses and Moses comes up and there's a burning bush and God begins to speak to him and he starts and God says, stop, take off your shoes. And he takes off his shoes because he says, you're walking on holy ground. That's one of the best pictures I know in the scriptures of what reverence looks like, that you're entering into a sacred space where God is speaking to you. And you, so you're, you step in with a sense of, of awe and, and trembling, but also out of that, Moses is sent on a mission and has great hope for his people and what he's going to do. And so there's, there's a sense that we're walking on holy ground. And really what, what we need to understand about life as we live and as we approach our decisions is that all of life is holy. There's a God who has given you breath. There's a God who knit you together, a God who made you, a God who sustains you, a God who keeps you from flying off the planet by gravity and, and continues your life and has put you in a place in life to where you get to make a decision. And so there's a sense of reverence in every decision we make that ought to be there. Secondly, second attitude we need is humility. Um, and I think those two are related, that when we live in reverence towards the holy God, we're always gonna live as humble people with humility. And so humility, Proverbs 11, 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. And pride comes before the fall. Before the fall. I love what scripture says in one place, that uh, talking to a guy who's about to go off in battle and uh, gives, receives a warning, he says, he who, uh, he who puts his pants on should not act like him who's taking them off. Or he who puts his armor on should not act like him who's taking it off. What's he trying to say? Don't act like you've won the battle when you're just getting dressed to go out to war. Um, act like you've won the battle when you've actually completed the task and you come home and you're taking your armor off. So pride uh, ends in disgrace, but with humility is wisdom. Proverbs 15, 30 says in another way, the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom and humility comes before honor. Let God be the one to raise you up. So as you come to make decisions, don't go in cocky. Don't go in arrogant. Don't go in thinking, man, I got this. Go in humble, seeking wisdom, seeking instruction. And then the gospel gives us humility. 
The gospel is that we can't save ourselves. In fact, we were all sinners broken and we needed someone to come save us. And so God, uh, Paul says that grace overflowed to him even though he was the chief of all sinners. Why does Paul get to talk about that and say, man, I'm the worst sinner there's ever been? Was he really? Probably not. But when he looked at it, he said, man, I know what's in my heart. And because of that, I know what an honor it was that God gave me grace in the midst of everything in my life. And so in the midst of my struggle, Man, there's hope for me, but that gave Paul great humility and it ought to give us humility as well. Next attitude, teachableness. Proverbs 9, 9. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Uh, Proverbs 19, 12. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 15, 31. The ear that listens, is, listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise and be teachable. Don't be arrogant. Don't be one who every time someone tries to offer a sense of correction or maybe another way of doing things or maybe ask you a question, is this the best thing for you, that, that you bow up to them immediately and you instantly just begin to fight back and become defensive. And don't be that guy. Um, he who listens to what? Life-giving reproof. That means someone who reproves you, they check you, they maybe alter the, your course in a way though that gives you greater life. This is the path to joy. Teachableness is essential for us. I mean, I know when you're 14 to 21, you know everything, but I know there's also a gap from like 21 to 50 where you're just wandering around going, man, I hope we're okay today. Like, I think we got it, but I don't know. You know, and then your kids get a little older and you're like, oh, I think we survived some of that, you know? So there's just a part of life where you're not sure. And man, I am as hungry to learn now as I ever have been. And keep learning don't quit learning. Be teachable. Be hungry. Seek wisdom. Seek knowledge. That really takes us to the next one, which is diligence. Man, work hard at growing in wisdom. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love the, this is wisdom, kind of a, 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 a personification of wisdom talking here. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. And you've got to work hard to get true wisdom for life. I love what it, Proverbs 2 says. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of our God. And it's not easy to live wise in this world. It's hard. That's why the scriptures tell us, run after it like a hidden treasure that you're searching for, seeking for, that you value above all else and you search for diligently. It's interesting, poet Mary Oliver said, to pay attention is our endless and proper work. To pay attention. And it's so easy to go through life and just to kind of edge out, just to kind of zone out, just to kind of move on. But we want to be those who pay attention. That ultimately is going to be part of our work in life. It's interesting also, you look at diligence, um, not going to have time to go through there, but it's fascinating me when you look at Proverbs. It, it tells us uh, in Proverbs 6, it says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Um, elsewhere, it's, it's funny, scripture tells us to go and study ants, study rock badgers, study locusts, study lizards, uh, because all of these things, as we diligently study life, and as you pay attention, as you watch all the things that are going on around you, and you study the turning of the seasons, and you study the way in which others operate, I mean, it can speak wisdom to you and help grow you up in your understanding of the way in which God works. And so we want to be diligent about seeking God in every avenue available to us. Uh, last, or next, we wanna, the next attitude we want to seek is uprightness. Proverbs 2, 7, and 8 says, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. 
He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. That somehow our wisdom is connected to our character and our behavior. That when we live rightly, it creates more space, it creates space for more wisdom in our life. Any of you, any of you want to admit to being gamers? Do you play video games? There, there, there's, it's kind of the idea in a video game that you, some of the games where you see a map and you step back and see a map and when you enter into one room or one territory, one area, like that part of the map opens up for you. And if you do well in that part of the game, then you can move through another door and another part of the map opens up for you. That's kind of the idea here that Proverbs just wants us to understand about uprightness is that when, you, when, when wisdom is opened up in front of you and you step in and you live rightly, you live well within that space, God opens up space for more wisdom and you can grow in wisdom and you step into that space. And as you live uprightly, there's more space that opens up in front of you. And so you can continue to grow in wisdom. Lastly, the last attitude here is faith. Proverbs 2.6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Friends, always trust that wisdom comes from God. God will give you wisdom and we have to trust that. And we have to take it by faith that God cares for you and he speaks to you. So man, that's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff to think about as you come to make decisions, a lot of stuff to process. But I think it guides us well and will help us understand what it is we need to do. Friends, start with the right approach. Start with the right attitude. Whenever you come to make a decision, try to say, man, are those two train tracks? Are those two aligned? Am I really doing both? Do I have a right approach and a right attitude? And that's gonna take you to a healthy place as you trust that. And within that, when that's true, and walk in freedom. Don't walk in second guessing. Don't walk in fearfulness. Don't walk in always doubting or wondering what it is God has for you. I mean, do the best you can. If you get off course, repent quickly. Repent often. Get back online and let's head the right way. A wise pastor told me not long ago that one of the lessons he had to learn in ministry was that everyone makes two choices. That you make one choice when you're in a room like this about whether what what you're hearing makes sense. But then you make another choice when you leave the room as to whether you're going to actually live that out. And let's be those who walk in wisdom for the glory of God, for our joy, and for the joy of those around us. We pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you, Father, for excellent people all around us that can offer guidance and direction and help. Father, thank you for wise counselors. Thank you for small groups where we can talk about decisions we're going through. Father, thank you for student ministries where students can talk about decisions they're making. Father, would you make us a people who constantly is seeking after your wisdom, seeking your word, seeking your face. Father, who lives amongst you, but Father, not out of fear, but out of reverence and awe. Father, also out of freedom and joy. Lord, would you guide us and direct our steps each day until we see you face to face. Father, we pray it through your son, Jesus. Amen.